One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to The World in 10, the big news stories of the day explained and analysed by the Times of London. I'm Laura Cook. Today, we hear how a charity in Ukraine is helping to rebuild the lives of thousands of children and teach them to laugh again. Since the start of Russia's invasion last year, at least 560 Ukrainian children have been killed and more than a 1,000 injured, according to the United Nations. Now, with work going on to help that generation of childhoods destroyed by Europe's largest conflict since 1945. Those figures, though, don't include occupied territories such as Mariupol. More than 1,300 schools have been completely destroyed, and two-thirds of all Ukrainian children have been driven from their homes. Mark Bennett is in the Donbass region for the Sunday Times and he's been to a playroom in East Ukraine where children are learning to laugh again. I visited two street child centres in, in Ukraine, one in eastern Ukraine whose location has to be kept a secret where children living quite close to the front lines have the chance to take part in activities, uh, receive um, psychological help and another in, in, in central Ukraine. Both of them are focused not only on helping children recover from the horrors that they and their parents have witnessed. Many of them have lived uh, in cities which have been subject to intensive shelling, but also to try and get them back into the routine of, of studying again with other children. Um, lots of schools in Ukraine, especially those in the front, near the front line, are basically not functioning anymore. More, more than 1,300 have actually been destroyed by Russian missiles. The charity Street Child is helping re-establish some sense of normality. In Nikopol, a frontline city that's been shelled almost daily by Russian troops, the charity holds activities for families in a bomb shelter. Some children in first grade aren't used to school discipline at all. In Mark's article, he spoke to one staff member who said the children don't know how to sit calmly, some don't know how to write and they haven't spent a single day at school. As the second anniversary of the war approaches, the charity has provided more than 22,000 children in Ukraine with mental health support. It's also trained more than 1,000 teachers to spot the early signs the child may be suffering from mental health issues brought on by the conflict. There's still much work to be done, though. Fears are growing and hopes are fading as Israel's war with Hamas enters its third phase. Fears are that the death toll will surpass the first and hopes fade of a fresh pause in fighting. The Israel Defence Forces has carried out airstrikes on the city of Khan Yunis. 
in what residents are saying is the heaviest bombing of the war. The Sunday Times journalist Amal Hellas is in Khan Yunis and says the Israeli attacks are intensive. From the air, from Israeli artillery, as well as from naval ports, the sounds of bombing didn't uh, subside or stop. Uh, as a number of Hamad town towers in Khan Yunis were bombed, uh, some of them were completely destroyed and others were partially destroyed. Hundreds of families were displaced from approximately six residential towers. Families of the 137 hostages left in Hamas captivity say they fear time is running out for their loved ones as the fighting resumes. And the prospect of a ceasefire appears remote after Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu withdrew his negotiating team from talks in Qatar. Our Times special correspondent in Israel is Richard Spencer and he explained to us how Mr Netanyahu's priorities are clear. At the beginning of of all this, uh, people were trying to avoid that question, that trade-off that um, hostage releases could only come if the war stopped or or paused. Um, this is very clear now. The the priority uh, now that most of the women and children have been released, the priority is to is to carry out the next stage of the uh, of the invasion. It's become much clearer, I think, to everyone involved that Israel did change the calculus in terms of how it pursued the war in terms of its exceptions to civilian casualties. And I think that's horrified a lot of people, um, including inside the Biden administration. So they are uh, they are committed to Israel and committed to supporting Israel in this war, but it's coming with greater conditions now. Israel has been warned by the United States to do more to protect Palestinians. Following a meeting with the Egyptian President Fatah el-Sisi, Vice President Kamala Harris also said the US opposes a forcible relocation of Gaza residents into Egypt or refugee camps elsewhere. The Israeli military says it's targeting Hamas command centres, weapons storage and naval forces. now to the UK, to a small town in Yorkshire, Tadcaster, where locals say a reclusive beer baron is holding their ailing town over a barrel. As Robert Watts writes in today's Sunday Times magazine, Humphrey Smith is the owner of Samuel Smith's Pubs and Brewery, a chain that, according to its website, has 200 pubs across the UK. But the way they're run are quite unconventional. Only couples are allowed to manage Samuel Smith pubs, Customers aren't allowed to use electronic devices and swearing is strictly banned. In fact, two landlords were fired after a representative of Samuel Smith overheard a customer swear. With Samuel Smith's pubs running up and down the UK, we asked Robert why Tadcaster has it worse. I think that people who regard Humphrey Smith as a medieval baron living alive and well and living in 21st century Yorkshire, that's where his brewery is. That's where many of his pubs used to be, although as I got there, um, I found a lot of them closed. He also owns thousands of acres of land across the country, a lot of it concentrated in that part of Yorkshire and many, many houses as well. And in the town, talking to the people, I found the issues are actually greater about the property that he owns in the town, the houses that he owns in the town, many of which are derelict. 
Considering that Humphrey Smith is a wealthy businessman, the idea that Tadcaster is full of derelict buildings seems odd. I think in terms of the houses, there are different theories that are propagated by people in Tadcaster. Some people are of the view that the state of the houses become run down and he likes to use them almost as a sort of bargaining chip, a sort of negotiating strategy with with the local authority. That's not something that I, I I was in a position to corroborate. After much persuasion, Robert did manage to get a comment from the company. These are difficult times for many pub groups for many reasons. Labour shortages, it's hard to get hard to get hold of staff. Energy costs up obviously a lot. That's that's big if you're in brewing and raw material costs rising as well. That's hitting many pub groups. So this explanation came back that you know, these these buildings are expensive to maintain. Of course, there are supporters of the Samuel Smith chain. His old-fashioned ways strike a chord. But with Mr Smith set to turn 80 next year, there's no doubt glasses will be raised in Tadcaster when he decides to retire. Viewers tuning in to watch who their team will face in next year's Euro 2024 tournament in Germany might have got a little more than they bargained for. While all the groups were being announced, the draw was interrupted by the sound of sexual noises over the sound system. Not for the first time either. In January, sex noises interrupted the BBC's coverage of the FA Cup third round replay between Wolves and Liverpool. It certainly takes a straight face to carry on presenting with all that going on. Organisers are investigating how it all happened. Oops. Before we go, last week we covered the Sunday Times interview with Omid Scobie, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle's unofficial biographer and his new book. And there have been some shocking revelations to come out of it, including naming King Charles and Kate Middleton as the individuals who express concern over the skin colour of Harry and Meghan's first child, Archie. In the Dutch and Belgian versions of Endgame, the royals were named in letters Meghan had sent to Charles following the Oprah Winfrey interview. They've since been taken off shelves. But with the accusations of racism out there, the King and Prince William are set to hold talks about the claims next week. The Sussexes haven't commented on the book or the accusations. Thanks for taking 10 minutes to stay on top of the world with the help of the Times of London. See you tomorrow. Tomorrow.